Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are stand with me? Can you guys stand with me this morning? Amen. So, there's a lot to be grateful for, a lot to be thankful for. Getting feedback up here, brother. A lot to be thankful for. Um, this last week that we just had, on Wednesday, we got together, and um, it was a downpour. I'm so happy that you guys survived Wednesday, and everyone's well. I know that many streets were flooded, and and, and, and the weather was bad, but praise God, we're here, we're well. But Wednesday, we didn't cancel our, our in-person gathering as we came together and we closed off our fast and our prayer. We did 15 days of gratitude, 15 days in where we set our hearts to be filled with thanksgiving. And many of us uh, were praying throughout the 15 days, and we got together even in, I guess, we could say in person electronically through Zoom um, at, at 12 o'clock every day and then in person on Wednesdays. And we had just such a special time. Um, different people would open up and speak uh, to open up our, our Zoom sessions. And it was just marvelous to close it off on Wednesday. There was such a special presence here. And we had a beautiful moment here this Wednesday. And then to kick it off, to, to come to an end, we also had a Friday Thanks a Latte. We thank those that came and, and were able to participate and give. We had some food and some sweets and coffee. We had a, a, just a beautiful night on Friday. And um, here we are. This is the last Sunday as we get ready to enter Thanksgiving on Thursday. And I truly, man, I, I, I pray that our hearts have been taken to that place where we could say, Lord, thank you. I'm grateful and I'm thankful. I'm grateful and I'm thankful. This week that just passed was a week, at least in Miami. I don't really follow the news anymore. I stopped doing that um, just for my own sanity. But this week, the news kept coming to me from people. And just this week, I heard like three horrific stories, horrific, like, like the worst of the worst, tragic stories. And um, one of them happened right in front of my house, and I didn't even know. Just horrific stories. And um, it makes you really just stop and say, I have a lot to be grateful for. I have a lot to, to be thankful for. Even though there's things around us that happen, even though sometimes we ourselves, circumstances arise, if we could just pause and see the goodness of the Lord, there's a lot that we could be grateful for. If you have not, I hope today God could do a miracle, and in all of our hearts, that he would give us the great opportunity to be filled with thanksgiving. Amen? Join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this moment that we're in. We spent as a church 15 days of what we called 15 days of gratitude. Never have we in November started a fast. But we felt that it was a good time, Lord, to really just pause and not be so rushed, but not go through 15 days of just asking of you. 15 days crying for a miracle, but 15 days just saying thank you. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would do a miracle in each one of us, that if there's any hearts that are here today 
that do not know gratitude, thanksgiving, joy, that they would know that in your presence, that you would bring transformation, that you would do a great and mighty work in each one of us because you are the God that still does miracles today. So if there's any heart that's here today that's heavy, I pray that you would make it light. Any mind whose thoughts are racing, causing anxiety, forms of depression maybe, can you calm their minds? And can you bring joy and thanksgiving into the hearts, into the minds of every person that's here? Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. Jesus, speak your words. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. If you did not know, there was a cold front today in the building. <laughs> in this building. Oh, man. We'll put it up in a moment. It'll go do, And you'll warm up a little bit. Amen. You guys are looking forward to Thursday? Food, turkey's been bought, uh, all the sides, everything's ready to go. My favorite, I don't know about you guys, is the deep fried turkey. How many of you like the original stuff? You like the original turkey still with stuffing it and all that? That's good, no hate. But the deep fry, once you do deep fry, it's hard to go back. So hopefully I get myself a, a deep fry or two in one of the houses that I go to. Um, and, and you can't go wrong with, uh, with all the sides. Looking forward to, to spending time with some family. As you guys know, um, almost any Sunday after um, Thanksgiving, I show videos of it. Um, this Thursday, I'm getting ready. My arm, I'm loosening up a little bit. You know that my family has a marshmallow fight every Thanksgiving. So it'll, it'll, it'll be on the screen in the weeks to come. But um, looking forward to it. My, my kids are older, so I'm sure they're going to be a little bit of a challenge this year. But uh, we're looking forward just to have some laughs and some good time with family. Don't take this time for granted. Amen? Spend time with each other. If, um, if you know family's coming over, go into your quiet place and, and just say, Lord, work in my attitude. I want to treat my family well. I want to love well today. I want to do well. Uh, let's not take this time for granted. Let's take advantage of the day that God's given us. Amen? You know, in the Bible, I mean, I hope you caught this already. Today's very simple. I mean, I'm actually going to be very quick, and I'm going to be out of your way because I know we got things to do and prepare for, but, but I, I felt like it was just obvious to do this for today. We spent three weekends here already, and we spent 15 days having conversations on Thanksgiving. And we've taken different avenues on it and stuff like that. And, and what I want to do today is just summarize it all and just close off in prayer. Maybe we'll do one more song. Maybe we could sing that last song one more time. And, and we'll just sing a song to the Lord and we'll close off just being thankful. But what I want is I want us to really examine, evaluate our hearts. And as you do that, recognize the condition of your heart. We've been challenging you to do that already throughout these 15 days of prayer and fasting. But, but we're coming to an end. Thanksgiving's here. It's it. And I pray that you've gotten that revelation of, oh, yes, Thanksgiving, gratitude. It's not about a day. It's about Lord, my, the Lord could cause this to be a lifestyle in me. In the Bible, 
we see the importance of the heart. You've heard us teach this here, if you've been here for a while. If you're a reader of the Word of God, then you know this. If you're not, well, I'm going to teach you something today. The heart is mentioned all over the Bible. And many, many times when I mention heart, I think about my daughter's drawings of a heart. She's at that age. She likes to tell people she loves them. So she loves to write um, notes to her teachers all the time and telling her teachers that she loves them. So she's writing hearts. There's notes of hearts all over the place because my daughter's in that age that she likes to tell people that she loves them. And the way she does it is she draws hearts. Some hearts are colored in red, some are in purple. And that's the norm when we think about hearts. They're red and they're the heart looking, the heart, you know. But that's not the heart in the Bible necessarily. And we've learned that here. The heart, as we know, is regarded as the seat of your emotions, of your passions, of your attitudes, your, your moral choices. As we've learned here, it's the core of who you are. That's the heart. That's the heart. It's the center of who you are. And in Scripture, as you read about the heart, you start to see, oh, wait, Scripture speaks a lot about the heart and the importance of it. It's so important. So for 15 days, we've been discussing Thanksgiving, and all of Thanksgiving deals with the heart. All of Thanksgiving deals with the heart. There is no thanksgiving if the heart is wrong. There is no thanksgiving if the heart has been swayed. If the heart has been defeated, there is no thanksgiving. I mean, you're going to go and you're going to eat and you're going to eat till you want to vomit and all that good stuff. But that wasn't thanksgiving. That was just you and your family getting together religiously once a year. I'm talking about thanksgiving True thanksgiving will always deal with the core, with the center of your being, of who you are. And scripture is always certain to remind us of the importance of our heart, the condition of our heart. The Bible is described as a mirror, as, or you could look at it as a magnifying glass, where as we read it, it magnifies the, the things that are in us, and it begins to reveal us. I love a brother of mine. Every time we do a church fast, he's like, oh, man, I hate him. At least he's honest with me. And he always tells me, they always reveal things in me. When I fast, things always come on. I'm like, good. That's what the fast is supposed to do. It's, it's getting all that stuff out, and it's showing you what's in the heart. A lot of people don't like to fast because they know the heart's going to come out. The heart's going to come out. You heard me say this maybe three weeks ago, then you heard me say it two weeks ago, you heard me say it last week, you'll hear me say it again today, because it's a summary and we're closing this off. Here it is. How's your heart? Thursday's coming. Thursday's here. Thanksgiving season's here. You feel it, right? You, when you went outside your door today, did you, just, did you take a deep breath? You could smell Thanksgiving in the air already. It's here. But is it here? But is it here? I mean, it's on our TV shows. I mean, it's in all the decorations. I get it. But is it in the heart? Happy Thanksgiving. Do you know what today's message is titled? I, Thanksgiving 2023. 
I should have said it happy Thanksgiving. But yeah, Thanksgiving 2023, I'm, I'm just going to talk to you about this year and the heart. It's hard to be thankful if our hearts are not right, if our hearts are not pure, if our hearts seem to be, as I've said in the weeks past, polluted. Gratitude, appreciation comes from the innermost parts of our being. You've heard this saying before, I love you from the deepest places of my heart. Me and my children have a handshake that we do. We slap our hands, we pat our chest, and we say, I love you with all my heart. I love you. Oh, that's after I grabbed one of them, maybe, you know, whatever. But yeah, I end it with, I love you all my heart. I wish the picture was always that beautiful. But yeah, okay, well, I love you with all my heart. I love you with all my heart. I love you with all my heart. I love when Jose hugs me, he taught me how to hug him a certain way. I always hug him to the right, but he taught me, stop hugging me like that. You have to hug me to the left because our hearts touch when our left parts hit, right? We, we do that when we hug each other. You heard people say this. It's from the depth of your heart. You read it in the wedding vows. The deepest places of my heart. You, you say that to your beloved. Well, that's exactly where thanksgiving is found or not found. So I want us together to search that heart. As we summarize where we've been this last month, as we get ready and we enter Thursday, I want us to truly just search our hearts. And I want us to ask, do I have a thankful heart? Is my heart truly thankful? Is it filled with gratitude? Because I know, me, myself, I will never live a life of gratitude, of thanksgiving. If that heart of mine, that center, that core, it's not filled, it's not coming out of there, then it's fake. I could look at you and smile and say, I love you, sister. I love you, brother. But if it's not coming out from the center of my being, from the core of my heart, I mean, very quickly you will see how shallow my love for you is. It's got to come from those deep places, from the core, from the being, from the emotions, from the passions, from the attitude, the character, the, the depth of who you are, that, that DNA of who you are. So all over Scripture, I don't have time to go over all the verses of hearts because there's so many. I'll, I'll just go over three, three popular ones. Um, one that the prophet Ezekiel says, which is a very famous one. I can't read all the context of it, but I will tell you this. That as I grab this verse from Ezekiel, I know who it's written to. I know why it's written. But I can say that as I read this verse, it also speaks to me today. It speaks to the church, church today. But it speaks to believers today. The importance of this verse, it's still powerful and it's still true for us today. And in Ezekiel 36, 26, it says this. He says, I will give you a new heart. Maybe you've been in an argument with someone or maybe you've seen something rise up in someone's life and you just look at them and say, you, you know what you need? You need a new heart. Or, or, or you just had a bad uh, uh, situation with a coworker and you drive home and you're like, well, that person's heart is evil. You say things like that. Or you say things like, their heart is not right. I mean, there's different sayings like that. I'm sure you've said something like that at some time. Well, well, 
Here is the Spirit of the Lord speaking, and here he is. And as God speaks to the prophet and to the people of the land and what he wanted to do within his people in Ezekiel, I, I, this has always been God's heart for all humanity. And here he says, I will give you a new heart. You're like, well, what's wrong with my heart? The heart that you gave me from birth. It's nothing wrong with it. Well, we also know that the heart, though we're seeing a lot of beautiful things about it, it's also, it's also desperately wicked. It runs towards wickedness. It begins to creep up and, 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 and think bad thoughts and do bad things. So the Lord has to confront that heart and say, I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And look what he says in this verse. He says, I remove, man, our God, we, you've heard us pray over people that are sick and we say our Lord is the great physician. Look at, look at this physician, look at this God that we have who's a surgeon a beautiful, perfect surgeon. He says this, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. Do, do, do you guys understand what it's saying here in Ezekiel? The hardened heart, God could perform surgery. Oh, but you don't know. You don't know what they've done to me and you don't know what I've gone through and you don't know already the story and you don't know how it really went and, and right? And, and your heart is hard and, the, and then you get confronted with the mirror. You get confronted with the word of God. You get confronted with this measuring stick and he begins to evaluate and examine and measure your heart and he says, hey, what you need is for me to give you a new heart and a new spirit so that I can remote move the heart of stone and give you one of flesh. I can do that for you. It's the beauty of who God is. That he could miraculously remove a heart that is wicked and is stone cold hardened and make it soft again and do a miracle and teach you to love again, teach you to trust again, teach you to hope again. A heart that is, that is, that is soft, that could, that, could, that could teach you to walk in righteousness again. You can, well, how, how and why does God do this? Because you have a good God who loves you. I have a good God that loves me. And though this heart gets hardened, I know that in a moment in his presence, he could transform the hardened heart into a heart of flesh. Have you ever experienced that in his presence? Have you ever come before the Lord with a hardened heart? One that in Ezekiel would be described as a heart of stone. Anyone? You've ever been touched by God? And you've seen that heart go from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh? I've seen the countenance of people. You know, you could see in their eyes sometimes the anger that people have in their heart. Before they even say a word, there's like this, there's this tightness in their eyes. And there's this darkness in their pupils. You could see it. And you know they're mad. And you know they're going through something. And you see it in them. And they're angry. And any little thing, or the first thing, that stuff is going to blow. And you'll see it manifest. You'll see it show itself. I've seen countenances like that. Of anger and of bitterness and of hardness. I've seen a moment of surrender 
in God's grace and his presence, I've seen the tightness and the hardness. I've seen that loosened. I've seen light in the eyes, countenance change, smile, the muscle patterns in their face change. And you could say, what happened to that person? Miraculously, they ran into God. And God transforms the heart of stone into hearts of flesh. I've seen it. I've seen it. How's your heart? Is your heart a heart of thanksgiving? Let's do an altar call. Let's all look at each other's eyes. Let's look at each other's faces. Do we have hearts that are thankful? Everyone take a deep breath in. That's called inhale. Now exhale. We could do some breathing practices today. One more time in. Out. You think you gave yourself that breath? God gave you that breath. You know what the name of God is? Yahweh. It's a breath. His name is breath. Yahweh is actually breath. So when you breathe, with every breath, you speak the name of God. How many of you have a lot to be thankful for? Ready? Breathe in. Breathe out. Yahweh. It's God's name. What a gift. You're alive today. Some of you are sitting next to someone. Look at that person. What a gift. Have you been taking that person for granted? Shh. Whose baby is that crying? Is that Isaac? No, let it cry. Listen to Isaac. He's not crying. Sorry. He's talking. Listen to Isaac talk. What a gift. That's not a bother. That's a gift. There's a child here who's talking his words, he's saying his consonants. That's a gift. If you listen closely, the kids are having class back there. Hear that? Some of that, those are your kids that are learning about God this morning. What a gift that they're hearing the truth. They could be in another country being deceived, whose end would be destruction, but they're learning and they know about God. Go outside today and listen to the birds. Go outside today and get some sun. There's a lot to be thankful for. Come on. He wants to make the heart of stone into a heart of flesh. You with me? Matthew 5, 8, Jesus is speaking of the Beatitudes. It's the longest sermon recorded in Scripture in, this, in, the, in, in, this, in these passages here throughout these chapters. But I want to grab one verse out of it. Forgive me for not going verse by verse today. I'm just grabbing some things to kind of flow and, and just break through this topical just 
thing that we've gone through for the last three weeks and look at beautifully, Jesus wonderfully, amazingly says these amazing words. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. Why are they so blessed? Why shall you, Jesus, call them blessed? For they shall see God. The pure in heart see God. Proverbs 4.23, the heart is so important. Proverbs says to guard your heart, guard it above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It will determine the course of your life. The heart is so important, church. It's so important. It will guard, guard it because it determines the path you take, determines the course of your life. I told you before we started, I heard three horrific stories that just happened this, this week. One to a father, to a son, one to a brother, to another brother, one to a 15-year-old boy and his 14-year-old girlfriend. I mean, horrific stories, all ending with death. All of them. You know why? Because Proverbs says, whatever's in the heart will eventually determine your life. And if you don't guard it, if you don't protect it, if you don't keep it pure, if you don't do what's right with it, it could determine the end results could be very bad because out of the heart, your mouth speaks out of the heart, you will take action. It's going to come from that place, from who you really are. You could only fake it. You could only pretend. You could only say things for a certain amount of time. But eventually, what's really in the heart comes out and shows itself. Guard your heart because it determines your course. So as we get ready to enter Thanksgiving and we're seeing the importance of the heart, we're seeing that we need to be attentive to it. We need to be attentive to the condition of the heart. We've spoken about this more or less in the last two to three weeks here on Sundays. But because our heart determines the course of our lives, man, it's going to determine as well whether we will live in constant thanks or not. Whether it will go past this week into days to come. We should thank God. We should want to thank God. I want to challenge you guys to do this. Every single morning, you're going to remember these words tomorrow when the alarm goes off. I want you to do this. I, I forgot who I heard it from. I, I'm sure I heard it from someone. I am sure it's not my idea. When the, and if it is my idea, then I'll take credit for it, but I'm sure it's not. The alarm goes off. When it goes off, you're going to, right, eventually you hit snooze out like 100 times. I get it. And now you're running late, and now you're stressed out in the heart, and you already started the day off wrong. All right, here we go. When the alarm goes, I mean, I'm just speaking, right? You hit the snooze button, just hit it once, then get the extra. I think it's eight minutes if you have an Apple phone. All right, good. I'm not saying I do that, but it's eight minutes. And when you wait, is it nine? Okay, there she is, the, the, the snooze winner. Yeah, you are. You're definitely the winner on that. All right. So what you're going to do is you're going to swing your legs off your bed, and you're going you're gonna to dangle them off your bed. And you're not going to take a step, whether you have, um, you still have rug, like if you're in the 80s, or if you, still, if you have tile or wood, whatever you have. No, no hate if you have rug. I'm just joking. You're going to put your feet, before you put them down on the rug, on the tile, on the wood, just spend a moment sitting down in your bed and just start thanking him. Thank you, Lord, I'm alive today. Thank you, Lord, I'm awake today. Thank you, Lord, for another day you're giving me. Thank you, Lord, God, I'm about to get out of this bed. And just say, Lord, before my feet touch the ground, I want to give you thanks to start off my day. And now here it is. I'm about to step on the floor and start my day. 
May you guard my heart, Lord. May these feet walk straight. May these feet do your will today. May I go to the places you want me to go. And just have a quick little prayer with God before you, before you start getting out of your bed and going on with your day. I have no idea who she is. I doubt it's from her, but I'm sure it was from someone. We'll have this conversation later, Betsy. I don't want to fight with you right now. All right, here we go. <laughs> Guard your heart. Protect your heart. Have conversations like that with yourself. What did we read in Psalms 50, 23 last week? He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving, what? Honors me. Go back. Listen to that message. In Romans chapter 1, that's another verse we went through. Um, uh, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago. Individuals that knew God. Remember that one? All these verses we went over in the last few weeks. And Paul speaks of these individuals who became spiritually um, rebellious after knowing God. And And I'll read the verse again today. He says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God, nor give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. We spoke about all this. I don't want to beat the dead horse, but we spoke about all this. We shared Psalm 50:23 to offer sacrifices of thanksgiving that honor him. We spoke about Romans 1:21, not to be foolish, but to be wise, to give thanks to him, to be thankful people, to acknowledge God's existence, not refuse him, not refuse to give him thanks, but to live in gratitude and thanksgiving. Paul writes about all these things. He even writes to the church of Thessalonica. He writes to the church and he addresses current issues within the church, current issues that are going on. You may be like, oh my gosh, I'm looking for the right church. Guess what? Even in Paul's days, he was writing to deal with issues in the church. And trust me, if Paul was writing to the churches here in America, oh my goodness, would he have a lot of letters to write? I mean, he's writing a letter to a church with issues. Like Paul does, he wants to make some crooked paths straight. He needs to address some certain things that kind of have been left unattended. And one of the reasons that he truly writes was to give instruction to godly living. Hey, church, you need to live godly lives. And he tells the church of Thessalonica, he tells the church this. He says, and we urge you, brothers, we urge you, brothers and sisters, recognize, respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord, who admonish you. He, he was telling them to be one in unity with their leaders, with one another, recognize, respect each other. Verse 13, esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, be, and then he, he says, not just your leaders, not just your pastors, not just people that, that are there and, and giving their lives for you and, and spending time. He also says, look what he says next. He says, but be at peace among yourselves. Live peaceably with one another or be at peace, be peaceable with one another. Live in such a manner where, where you're living at peace. If there's things in your life as you're entering Thanksgiving, not just for a week, but you're entering Thanksgiving for a lifetime, say, Lord, whatever wars are going on in my heart, let there be peace starting now. Let me confront the things. Let me show peace to these things. I need to make all wrongs right once and for all. And, And it doesn't matter what they do in return or what happens if the circumstance around me changes or does not. I'm going to choose to live in peace. Very easily said, huh? 
and be at peace among yourselves. We exhort you, brothers, warn those who are unruly. Love that verse. He's basically saying, another translation says, admonish the idle or warn those who are lazy. Paul's like, it's not a time to be lazy, but comfort each other. Be at peace with each other. If there's someone whose heart is fainting, don't speak bad about them, but comfort their faint-heartedness. Call them. In our culture here, take them un cafecito. A croqueta does everyone well, trust me. You give them a croqueta with a coffee and there's going to be a smile on their face saying, wow, all anger and bitterness has been removed because you brought me a croqueta and a coffee. Comfort the faint-hearted. Be at peace with one another. Oh, that brother, that sister, they're weak. They're weak. He's weak. She's weak. They're weak. We're weak. Our weak. You're weak. They're weak. Uphold the weak, Paul says. Uphold them. Here's what we need to be, church. If there's anything that you could pray for, be patient with everyone. Be patient. Be patient. Be patient with yourself. Be patient with that person that you just looked at. Remember? And be patient with others. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. Oh, I'm going to get them back. Oh, I'm going to say this. Oh, I'm going to do this. Don't do that, Paul says. He says, if you're going to do anything, do this. Always pursue what is good. For who, Paul? For yourself and for everyone. Pursue goodness. Paul's not done. He's ranting on. He's speaking good things like he does. He's writing good things. He says, not only do you stop there, but then he says, rejoice always. Rejoice always. Come on. Rejoice always. 17, pray without ceasing. 18, and everything give thanks. Paul's on a roll, baby. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks. For this is the will of God. What's the will of God? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, the church. Do not quench the spirit. What's going to quench the spirit? Oh, my goodness, when you're not rejoicing always, but you're complaining always. When you're not praying at all, when in everything you're you're giving grumble rather than thanks, well, that's going to quench the spirit. Verse 20, he says, do not, 19, do not quench the spirit. Verse 20, do not despise prophecies. Number 21, test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. He's giving instruction to the church. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it. I'll read it fast. He says, get along among yourselves. Each of you doing your part, our counsel is that you warn the freeloaders to get a move on, gently encourage the stragglers and reach out for the exhausted, pulling them to their feet, be patient with each person, attentive to individual needs, and be careful that when you get on each other's nerves, you don't snap at each other. You should write that down in your mirror. When they get on my nerves, I shall not snap at them. Look for the best in each other. Look for the best. Did you see what, what that says? Look for the best. Look for the best. Paul says it in a way to pursue, to pursue it. Eugene says to look. What does that mean? There's work on your end 
to look for the best in people. Don't just look for the worst. Look for good. Pursue what is good. He doesn't end there. He says, look for the best in each other and always, always do your best to bring it out. Bring the best out. Don't bring the worst. 16 through 18, he says, be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. Thank I read these letters addressed to the churches like Thessalonica or like Corinth, Corinthians, and so on. Passages like this one that we just read, I clearly see the importance of placing the needs of others before myself. And if you're any bit honest, you'll recognize how hard and difficult that is to serve someone else before I can be served, to care for someone else before I can be cared for. And that is the key of living in gratitude. Write this down if you haven't written anything at all. The key to live in gratitude is to live giving. To live out your life giving. The more you give, I truly believe this, the happier you will be. The more you give, the greater you will be. The more you give, trust me, the more thankful you will be. If you hoard and you keep and you don't give any of yourself or anything, you're not serving others, you're going to see you're not going to be as thankful and you're not going to be the better version of you. You want to be better, start giving from yourself, out of yourself. I thought a giver or two would say amen on that one. How's the heart, church? Is it filled with thanksgiving? Do you give because you're thankful? And Paul had that mind for the church of Thessalonica. And it didn't end there. It started with the early church. We know the story of the early church, the first church in Jerusalem. They were a people group that didn't have everything together. As a matter of fact, they were persecuted. But as they were persecuted, being sent out even to be killed, they were also filled, believe it or not, with faith, with joy. The early church in Acts chapter 2, as they are being hunted down, they're also being filled with gratitude. The early church in Jerusalem, the Bible says, for sake of time, I'll tell you, but read Acts chapter 2. It tells us that the early church shared all things. They met each other's needs, and they lived as a testimony before everyone around them in thanksgiving. Even when they didn't have, they lived in thanksgiving. I want you, I want us, I want me as a church to try this for ourselves, see it for ourselves, that we could be at our most thankful as we give more of ourselves to others because others need us. So if you're going to say anything, this Thanksgiving for the rest of my life, moving forward, I'm going to give more. I'm going to give more of myself. The Lord has given me so much that I'm going to give more in return. And I'm telling you that there is so much grace for you. I'm going to ask the worship team to start making their way up. But there is so much grace for you. So much grace. Um, Pastor Tom, who is, him and his wife are the, the next interview on the Good New Days. He came and preached here about a month ago. And a month ago, he jumped into passages like this. In Romans chapter 7, verse 21 through 25, it says, I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Hey, you've ever wanted to do right, but instead what lies is the wrong thing? Oh my God, I did the wrong thing today. But trust me, in my heart, I really wanted to do right. Ever been there? I went the wrong way today. But when I woke up this morning, I really had intention to do things right. 
Paul says, I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. You see the inner, the heart, the core of who Paul is? But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. What is Paul describing here? He's like, oh, there is a war inside of me. Hollywood draws the picture of a little devil and a little angel speaking on your shoulders. And Paul is describing what this looks like within him. And then he comes to this conclusion, and we heard Pastor Tom share this last month. In verse 24 of Romans 7, he says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul recognizes that there's a battle of good and evil. There's, there's parts of him that does bad but wants to do good. There's parts of him, and there's this constant struggle in his life. And he calls himself at the end of the conclusion. He says, I'm a wretched man. Um, the New Living Translation says it this way. Oh, what a miserable person I am. <laughs> Can you imagine calling yourself that? And Paul writes this down. And then he says, who will deliver me? I'm a miserable, I'm a wretched man. Who is going to deliver me from this body of death? And then on verse 25, he says something so beautiful as he does this investigation. And he, and he comes up with this conclusion of his heart of what is found. Oh my goodness, there rages, wages war against goodness and God in me. But then on verse 25, he comes to this conclusion. He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanksgiving comes out in Paul's letter. I am a wretched man. I am a miserable man who, whose life is a life of death. But thanks be to God. Thank God he's the answer. The answer is Jesus. If there's any hope for my wretchedness, if there's any hope for anything that is miserable in me, it's in Jesus Christ. And in him, I can say, thank you, Lord. Come on, is your heart thankful? Two weeks ago, we said, just one. Go back and listen to that message. Just one. Ten lepers were cleansed. It says Jesus went to Jerusalem. And on the way, he stopped by Samaria. He entered that village in Luke 17, and he met ten lepers who stood afar off. We preached this message. And they lifted up their voices, and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. Mercy. You know what they're crying out for? Have compassion. Oh, I'm afflicted. I'm wretched, Paul says. I'm miserable, Paul says. The ten lepers are saying the same words that Paul's saying. I'm a miserable man. I'm a wretched man. Who will save me from this body that is dying? And then Jesus walks into Samaria and they say, Jesus, have mercy on me. Have compassion on me. No one in this room is perfect. No one in this room has reached the mountaintop. No one in you're in you're in you're in, you're in you are in sanctification mode. That's it. You're in glory to glory mode. You're in strength to strength mode. But you haven't made it. You're making it. You're not perfect. You're being perfected. You're not sinless. You're forgiven. We're all on a journey. We're all in this walk. 
And all our eyes are focused on that one thing, the upward prize, which awaits all of us. You know where I'm running to? I'm running to the end, to the goal line, to the finish line. I'm breaking. I saw yesterday Alabama rookie quarterback, freshman, red-shirted. You saw that? I'm not an Alabama Crimson fan type, but he grabs the ball, and he gets loose, and he's running to the goal. He's running to the end zone, and you can see it, his first touchdown as a redshirt freshman, and he's so excited. He's running, and everyone's going crazy because this young man, 18, 19 years old, in front of a stadium of maybe 100,000 people are screaming, and he's running to the end zone, and you can see the joy through the helmet, and you're like, yes, he's going to do it. He's going to do it, and right when he gets to the one-yard line, he celebrates, and he goes in, and he does a little, did you see it? He does a dance. Like, I don't even know what the dance is called. And then the referee comes out and he says, no touchdown. That young man's face, he was standing right next to the coach, the man that we don't speak of in this church. I just pray. I just say we have to love. See, I told you I'm a mess. I need help too, whatever. Standing next to his coach. And that joyful man, that joyful young kid was like this. The coach didn't even look at him. He made the dumbest mistake. He dropped the ball right before crossing over the line. He was inches away. We can't do that with eternity. We can't do that with God. Just... We get to heaven, God's like, you fumbled. I really want you in here, but you fumbled. You fumbled on the, on that, not even the one yard line, the half, there's not even a half yard line, but the half. Guys, we're all on that journey. And we're all trying to hold on to the ball. We're all trying not to drop that ball. And we're looking at the end zone. I just need to make it there with what God's given me. You ever felt like that football player? You just they can't let go of that. That's it, man. Lord, have compassion. You see me, I'm running this race. The ten guys get Healed, one comes back, falls at his feet. Jesus, you know the story, looks at him and says, were there not ten? Where are the other nine? Is it only this foreigner, this Samaritan, this leper, who, man who was once a leper, now made well? Here he is at my feet. And he says, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. This one man comes back. We talked about this two weeks ago, filled with thanksgiving, filled with gratitude because of, listen to this, the unmerited, undeserved grace. He showered us now. And he continues to shower us with grace, and we say, thank you, Lord. I'm on this journey, I'm on this run, and I'm holding on, Lord, and I'm, I, I just say, I'm filled with gratitude and thanksgiving. I, I want you to stand with me, and we're going to wrap this up. And then if we could put Psalm 100 on the screen. Let's sing a song. But before we sing a song and wrap this up, can we read these, these words together? This is Psalm 100, 
and we're going to read from verses 1 through 5. Listen to the psalmist as he says this. Isn't that beautiful? Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Remember when that leper came back? It says that he began to worship and give him thanks with a loud voice. Make a joyful shout. Verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence. Come before his presence with singing. Beautiful words. Verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Here it is, church. Happy Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving 2023. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Oh, it, it, it still doesn't end. It says, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Isn't that a beautiful scripture?